0: Hey, I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Of Everyone Has a Podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World.
1: If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes.
0: And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
1: And I'm Derek Myers. And I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
0: Episode 175 The Best Drummers of All Time. Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this, of course, is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Derek, how are you, my friend? Good, Chris. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, we have something very special lined up this week. I mentioned on our last show that we were thinking of doing a top five list of the best drummers of all time, and I, I knew we couldn't do that topic without inviting our good friend and prolific drummer himself. Back here on the show with us, ladies and gentlemen, back by popular demand, Yancey Eaton. Yeah, it's me. I'm here. The one and only Yancey Eaton. Yancey, welcome back, my friend. How are you?
2: Chris Caveman, hello. Thank you oh. for having me back. You guys have, I love what you did with the place. Uh, mm-hmm. Hearing the drops in my ear is, is, um, startling but in a good way mm-hmm. um i always listen to podcasts at 2x speed and so to hear the theme song that slow which is actually how it's supposed to be listened to uh is a little unnerving i felt like i was like slogging through molasses it felt so slow <laughs> but uh yeah thank you for having me back guys it's been it's been a while um every time you know i come back on i always say like hey we gotta do this more and then of mm-hmm. course life gets in the way but of course. here we are with my good buddies and we're gonna talk about some drummers
0: yeah we are how's life in sunny south florida
2: uh, hot and humid, uh, a lawless jungle, if you will, uh, you know, just the same old, same old life yeah. is good. Uh, the family is good. We're all staying uh, relatively COVID free, so I really can't complain. Uh, uh, but sometimes I still do. Wh- what's up with you guys? Derek, oh. I-, I haven't talked to you uh, directly yeah. in a while. Like wh- what's new with you guys in Canada? Yeah. Derek, what's up? Uh-
1: well, uh, you know, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, and I know you do, you've probably got a pretty good sense of how things are going. I mean, we're still we're, here in uh, in Ontario. We are entering our third, uh, third phase of lockdown. So it's, you know, second verse, same as the first, third verse, same as the second kind of deal. It's uh, more of the same. But like you, we're just heads down, stay home. Don't go out when you don't have to wear a mask, take, take sensible precautions. And, uh, more and more people I know are starting to get, uh, access to the vaccine. My wife, uh, is, is classified as a frontline worker, so she's got it. My parents have it. So, you know, it's, uh, slowly, but surely we're getting there. I mean, I know not everybody agrees with, uh, uh, you know, with the idea of the vaccines and Hey, you do, you do you, but uh, I'm going to do me. And as soon as they tell me I'm eligible, I'm going to get the, the needle. So yeah. Other than that, I'm just staying home, watching uh, watching TV, watching movies, listening to podcasts, listening to music. It's uh, just another day in the neighborhood for me. Nice. Uh, Yancey, have you,
0: you know, what since we've last spoken, anything new in pop culture in your world?
2: I mean, there's a million things we could talk about. Um,
0: uh, give me one just or two. Some of the What's things getting, what, something new. Mm. You watch any new uh, movies, new out? music? Enlighten me. You're the yeah, millennial uh, around here. What am I missing?
2: The last, the last year and a half or so, I've mm-hmm. been deep into this, just this jazz, like run. Like all I want to listen to is jazz and death metal, which I know are on like, opposite <laughs> disciplines of like the musical spectrum. But like, yeah. that's, that's like mostly what I listen to now. Um, other than that, as far as like movies, I'm trying to think of the of the last movie that I saw that was any good. Um, I saw the the newest Wonder Woman movie. That was terrible. Uh, oh. What a waste of time. Yeah. Um, other than, yeah I, you, you do those things where it's like, you know, that you should have things prepared to talk about when it comes to pop culture, when you go on a pop culture podcast. And yet here we are. I can't think of anything like, you know, particularly profound or interesting to talk about. But, um yeah, don't watch the Wonder Woman movie. That's my takeaway.
0: Well, it's not like you helped found this podcast or anything like, you know, it's not like yeah. you would know it. Uh Derek, <laughs> what's
1: new in pop culture in your world, my friend? Uh Well, uh, some some bad. Bad news. I did not have a chance to watch a documentary this week, so for better or worse, we won't get to play the theme song. Oh, can we just uh, play it anyway? Please? Uh, if you feel we must, then sure. All right, here we go.
0: For 40 days and 40 nights, he documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's Documentaries. Derek's Documentaries. Just maybe just tell Yancey the last documentary that you watched and then he can watch that one.
1: Oh, geez, I, I got to pull up my list. So yeah. let me talk about something else. All and right. come back What's While next? I'm pulling up the list here. Okay. So um, I had a chance, uh, as I mentioned before, we have uh, a lot of the various movie channels on our, on our premium package. Mm-hmm. And one of the channels is called the Vault Channel. It's like a retro Ooh. channel where they play like great movies from the past. But we're not talking like Turner Classic Movie, like, old old classes it's more stuff from like the 70s 80s 90s and 2000s but it's not necessarily the stuff you see on tv all the time it's more the stuff that's like critically acclaimed that's solid but maybe isn't in in like the forefront of pop culture not the kind of movies people like would say you know what i can't wait to sit down and watch this tonight and so Mm -hmm. i've been able to uh, to get caught up on some older ones and one of the ones that i i recorded a couple of weeks ago and finally had a chance to watch for the very first time is The Best Picture nominee from 1988, Mississippi Burning. Chris, have you ever seen it? I have not, but I heard it was good. Yeah, Yancey, have you ever seen Mississippi
2: Burning? I was going to say, I I, I was thinking that you weren't, you're going to ask me that, you just assumed that I hadn't seen it, which is accurate, Um, but thank you for asking me. No, I have not seen it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, for those who maybe aren't as familiar, uh, it came out in 1988. It was nominated for best picture along with, I want to say seven or eight other Oscars. It was nominated for uh, uh, best actor, best supporting actor, best director, best sound, Best film editing. It won for best cinematography. Uh, it, it was deserving of all of these accolades so the I'll read you the little blurb here from uh, the the uh, the IMDB it's two FBI agents with wildly different styles arrive in Mississippi to investigate the disappearance of some civil rights activists so this takes place in 1965 it's based on true story and it's um, uh, two Jewish guys and a black guy go down to Mississippi in 1965 to try and register black people to vote because by this point they have now been granted the the ability to vote and of course being uh, that the Mississippi Mississippi at that time was tremendously segregated still there was a lot of resistance from white folks saying we don't want the black people to have the vote because that could implement change i mean that's a super oversimplification but the uh these three uh these three people from from the northern u.s come down to mississippi to try and uh generate voter registration and in the first five minutes of the movie they're straight up assassinated by the racist police officers and then it's gene hackman and willem Dafoe come in as these two fbi agents and they start you know poking around they're like what's going on and and you know of course the locals are saying no no these three kids they took off they're nowhere near here like you're, you there's no no shenanigans going on and it doesn't take very long for these uh, two fbi guys to realize like there is a ton of stuff going on and it was it was a good movie. It was kind of difficult to watch simply because it's, there's like the racism in it is just so profound. And you got to think like this represents a time that wasn't that long ago. Like my parents would have both were both alive in the 60s. Like, obviously, I was born in the 70s. Chris, you were born in the 70s. So this was a little bit before our time, but not that much before our time. And it's it's just a reminder that, um, you know, although things are progressing, they're 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 you know we we've come a long way in a short period of time but there's still a long way to go kind of deal and um yeah the movie it, like you don't want to say, "Hey, it's a super entertaining film. Go out and feel entertained." But it, I definitely think it's worth watching, and I would absolutely recommend people give it a go. But again, it's it's pretty heavy topics, so uh, you know, it's it's keep that in mind when you're watching it. It's, the movie runs a little on the long side; it's about two hours and ten minutes. But I honestly, didn't feel it dragged at all. I thought, "Oh, I'll start watching it one night before I go to bed. I'll give it an hour," and I ended up just sitting through the whole thing. I couldn't stop watching it. It's it's riveting, and uh, yeah, it was great. Gene Hackman, William Defoe, Francis McDormand all put out some of their best work it was fantastic now <clears throat> i wanted to mention something if i could this is a
0: very special episode and not just because yancy is back joining us you know for tonight but yancy just for a little history lesson for anyone that might be mm-hmm. new to the little show around here you and i began this podcast back in july of 2016 and on episode 88 you had to say goodbye you know your life became too busy And since we weren't exactly making a million dollars on this show, uh, you know, life called you away. And that's when Derek stepped in. And he's been an amazing co-host. That goes without saying. Well, this is now episode 175. And that means that after tonight, Derek has now hosted the same number of shows as Yancey. 88 each. Wow. Yeah, kind of cool that, you know, Yancey's here for this. So you're now sort of both equally you know, a part of the creative output on our podcast here. So big congratulations. Enough. Uh-huh. You come at nice. <laughs> now, of course, I've been here forever, but, you know, that's appropriate because I'm the old guy. And, uh, and speaking of which, actually, Yancey, since you've been gone, I started to tap into my musical side. And I've been writing some songs. You? Oh, no. He's oh, really no. been missing out, hasn't he, Derek? Say it ain't so, Chris. Say it ain't so. I <laughs> yeah. know where this is going, and I'm, I'm both thrilled and terrified at the same time. No. Yancey, I have a question for you. Since, since you're the resident millennial around here, I have a question mm-hmm. for you. What does the term OG mean to you? Original gangster. Original gangster. Hmm. Because... Yeah. OG means something a little different to me, and what better way to explain what OG means to me than through the gift of song. So here we go. When it comes to me, it's something different Don't you see? I am the OG And it is me O is easy, it stands for old G is not for gangster, it stands for God told OG is old guy, and that is me I am the OG I'm the OG Yeah, I'm the OG Hey, what do you think? I'm the OG. Hey. Awesome. I I hate I'm how much I love it. So <laughs> you, sorry, Yancey, you hate how much you love it. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: I hate that I love it so much, <laughs> Derek, Derek. What do you think? I'm the OG. Oh, I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> see, see what you've been missing, Yancy. I tell you. Oh my gosh, Chris, that was that was definitely. The best one you've done so far. Oh, really? Oh, I'm glad that you like my oh. leaps and bounds. Oh, I, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised you didn't manage to work in neck full of gold, but yeah, uh-huh. we'll forgive you. you. You've used that line in like five I other songs, so I it was time to give that one a rest. <laughs>
0: I was going to do it, but neck full of gold doesn't rhyme with OG, so I just couldn't fit it into the lyrics. But um, Yancy, another thing: singing and songwriting mm-hmm. isn't the only new thing around here, because I also do this. <laughs> Here's your dad joke of the week. I figured since we're doing drummers that I should do a drummer dad joke. Now I have two of them for you because I ran them by my kids and they said the first one they didn't like. So they had to go with the second one. So I'm going to do two. Okay. So the first one, Mm -hmm. what did the drummer name his twin daughters? Hmm. I don't know. Anna one, and a two.
2: Oh my
0: god! <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Saturday Chris, so good. you missed the easy, the easy <laughs> follow up. You should have had the rim shot instead of the wah wah wah. Oh yes, two. of course. Oh god, I got to work on that. Come and on, then, this is a drum show. Do your homework, man. I know. Well, so the next one that I have, because I have two, because it's two for the price of one night, when Yancey comes back, how many drummers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Uh, one, two, three, four. Gonna be (laughs) bands that should have been bigger.
2: You're not talking about Prince. I'm talking about Prince. But Prince was
1: bigger. He was like huge. By bigger, he means instead of playing a bar, they should have played like a minor league hockey arena. Yeah, exactly. A
0: band that couldn't get 20 people at the Port Elgin Arena.
1: He
2: was always overshadowed by one person.
0: Weird Al Yankovic?
2: Well, that's kind of stupid. He's kind of right. I stand by what I said.
0: Yancey, we love you, man. Okay, so this past Christmas, as I mentioned, was one of my favorite Christmases since I was a kid. As I mentioned, Santa brought me a stream deck. You know, we were talking about that before we came on the air. And so I believe in Santa again. It's so good. Oh, geez, Santa's great. And my wife and kids got me a new guitar amp. Um, It's actually made its debut here on the show when I did the song Gen X is the best. You remember that one, Derek? How could I forget? Yeah, that was a good one. Another thing that I got, though was a set of drums (laughs) and I've spent the last two months or so uh, trying to actually find the time to play these things it's it's been really hard for me to find the time so I've been banging on them a little bit here and there and then I got thinking Yancey because it's right here it's down here in the studio the drums I'm looking at them they're right beside me so Mm -hmm. Yancey since you're a drummer I was hoping maybe you could give me a little bit of feedback on how I'm coming along so far so like I mentioned, I got the drum kit right here. So it's, if you just, what I'm going to do is this, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to take off the cans and walk away from the mic for a second. I'm going to go sit at the kit. I'm going to play a little something for you and then I'm going to come back okay. and then hopefully you can give me some feedback. Does that sound good?
2: All right. I'll indulge you. Yeah, okay. I'm sure hold on. Let me,
0: let me just this take this off. Hold on. Let me get over here. All right.
1: <sighs> no matter how he is, tell him he's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Right. One, two, three. You're very four, really easy. About the point where Chris's wife Ooh, and kids come running yes. downstairs. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you think? Was that um, really you?
0: When you heard me, <laughs> no, I was sitting right yeah. there playing it. Was <laughs> it really me? I
1: have to go no video. I have no idea.
0: What do you think, Yancey? Was I like, okay? Uh, I mean,
2: I, it's it's getting there, Chris. I mean, I, I still think you have a little bit of work to do, but yeah. uh, I, I'm really impressed with the progress that you've made. Oh,
0: okay. Well. <laughs> You know, maybe you can give me some tips sometime. Maybe you can come on up here to Canada and uh, jump on a plane and give me a few tips. But I mean, not bad for like I've been two months, you know, getting there. So
2: yeah, decent pace. Yeah,
0: decent pace. I did yeah. my best. Okay, uh, before we move on to our top five lists of the greatest drummers of all time, I think we need to establish some ground rules. So all the way back on episode 66, we did our best movie sequels of all time. And we agreed going into that episode that The Empire Strikes Back... The greatest sequel of all time. So rather than just, you know, both of us having, you know, this undisputed number one and we both, you know, agree on it, rightly, that Empire Strikes Back is the greatest sequel ever, we decided that we would make our top five list the next five because we both agree that's number one. So now I should mention we never share our lists with each other before we record. We don't really know what each other is going to come in with other than how we know the other person and kind of guess. But for the greatest drummers of all time, we were talking beforehand and we agree that Neil Peart is the greatest drummer who ever lived. And I should mention, for the greatest drummer of all time, people sure get his name wrong a lot. Like it's Peart, like E, like ear with a P in front and a T at the end. Like not pert, but Peart. But anyway, Neil Peart, greatest drummer who ever lived. So I think we need to talk about him just a little bit. Why is he the greatest drummer ever? If you like, I, I can start us off. First of yeah, all, I would say he's Canadian. <laughs> that's one thing. <laughs> Secondly, Tom Sawyer, spirit of the radio. My God. Um, third, I would say his, his kit. Like anyone that's ever played the drums, you know, and you can tell, like I, I practice a little bit here. Um, you know, like the basics, Yancey, are like a snare, hi-hat, you got a bass drum, two toms, floor tom crash ride symbol that's like the, the basics and mm-hmm. for a new drummer that's kind of enough <laughs> that's a lot to get through but neil peart one, w- one, one might argue that it's
2: actually too much it could, for you could say that like, you should, could say that
0: i mean you yeah. look at a parade it's usually a guy walking along hitting one drum that's enough you know <laughs> but neil peart used to have like upwards of 40 pieces in his kit and the thing was he used everything when he played and then the last thing I would say is he was at the forefront of the progressive rock movement in the 70s. And as a result of that alone, he's basically influenced pretty much every drummer that's come along ever since. So that's my take. So what do you guys think about Neil Peart? Gancy, um, maybe we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, sure. So whenever I grew up starting to play drums, uh Neil Peart was always the he was the inspiration. He was like the holy grail as far as like someday I want to get to that level. And obviously, I never achieved that. Nobody ever really has. Um, did you hear me just play? Technicality standpoint. Did I? I'm sorry. Did you hear me play? I'm getting close. I mean, you were yeah, yeah. You're you're very close. Uh, another couple of months and you'll get there, Thanks. Chris. <laughs> um, but just from a technicality standpoint, uh, you, you mentioned you know he has like this massive drum set, right? Um, but he was just so much more than just like your typical drummer as far as like complete independence of both of his hands and his two feet, it's unparalleled. Like he can literally play four different time signatures, one on each appendage, and it would make perfect sense. And it would completely like, if you go back and listen to like the Russian Rio, the the live uh, rush album that he did, he, there's a song called Oh battery. which is just like a super long drum solo of his, and he's playing everything. He's playing every single piece of his equipment. He's playing the MIDI marimba. He's playing a go-go bells. He's playing uh, just everything. And, i don't think people realize this also but like he was the major uh, like the main songwriter for rush as well like this is just a really really talented guy i hate that that you know he died and i wasn't even aware that he was really sick and just all of a sudden like you, you mm-hmm. see like the news orb that he had passed away but um this was like every drummer's hero every single person like that ever took drumming seriously like this was that guy this was who they modeled this is who everybody wanted to be and um yeah he's just he's just the best he always will be
0: yeah derek we agree neil peart best drummer that ever lived any words you want to say about him
1: uh, i think you guys have covered a lot of it uh in the, when i was doing the research for this show uh, and i was putting together my list and as we've talked about before i usually when i'm putting together my list i put i start with a much broader list and then i narrow it down to the final five almost everybody that appeared on my list even the larger list when i was looking through their bios and reading stuff about them almost every single one credited uh Neil Peart with as an influence in their life either as someone they they heard and ins- and then he inspired them to to become a drummer or people who were already into drumming who uh wanted to model their their style after him so he he was incredibly influential uh one of the things that i always remembered was um the uh there was a short-lived tv series that ran uh, just one year in 1999 called freaks and geeks oh, yeah. and in it uh Jason Siegel who went Mm -hmm. on to be in How We Met Your Mother he plays an aspiring drummer and there was sort of like a running gag where he wanted to have the 35 piece drum kit because that's Neil Peart had the 34 piece drum kit and he wanted to have one more piece and it was like this this running gag in the show but you could tell that the creators of the show it came from a place of love they weren't they weren't making fun of the fact that Neil Peart had this had this huge drum kit it wasn't like they weren't counting the number and going, well, that's hilarious that he's got 34 pieces. It was more the awe and the, 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 you know, the um, the love of the fact that this guy could have a kit that had that many pieces and make use of all of them in a way that no other drummer could. And the fact that this, this young teenager on the show was, was so inspired by him that he wanted to be just like him and and wanted to aspire to even be better than him simply by having one more piece in his own (laughs) kit. Uh, It was, it was, a way to to pay an homage to the the this musical genius that the that the writers and the creators of the show clearly felt strong affection for but have a funny line through the show that that shined a spotlight onto this drummer and also uh you know made for an interesting running gag in the in the course of the show so that it's one of the things that i always uh, uh remembered above and beyond the music i mean i actually saw rush perform three or four times uh you know live and um yeah you were never disappointed when uh, when there was an extended drum solo it was it was always the highlight of the show yeah i
0: i like that show too Uh, Freaks and Geeks. And I remember the one episode when Jason Segal finally had the opportunity to to audition with a band and he he wasn't very good. (laughs) I remember it was good. Okay. So our top five list, we're going to start at number five. We're going to work our way up to our number one. Yancy, since you're our returning guest, we will let you go first. Mm -hmm. Who is your number five drummer of all time?
2: Okay, sure. So I was just referencing Neil Peart and I was talking about how uh, you know, he was what every drummer aspired to be. Um, mm-hmm. This first drummer that I'm going to talk about, there was a period in my life of about seven to eight years where this was my favorite band. This was what I listened to the most. And this was the drummer that I 100% tried to emulate stylistically. And he basically taught me how to play drums. And that is Travis Barker of Blink-182. Um knowing now just you know how much music is out there and there's just so many different genres and there's there's such a level of complication with drumming like you you kind of realize this like the more you know the more you understand that you really don't know anything um i thought that this was the most technically difficult music was this pop punk stuff that he was playing with with blink 182 and you know he did have side acts with plus 44 and aquabats before blink 182 and boxcar racer and just all of these really awesome you know pop rock pop punk alternative bands but um Like Just stylistically, like I said, he he popularized or helped popularize a pop punk movement that at the time wasn't really mainstream. And they took this subgenre of music that was kind of underground and kind of niche and you didn't really have a lot of people listening to it and just blew it up into this gigantic thing. And there was a point there where they were one of the biggest bands in the world. Um, I still listen to these albums, you know, like uh, Dude Ranch and uh, you know their self-titled album. Like I listen to these now as an adult, and I, I I feel like this is gonna be like the soundtrack of my childhood and my youth. And just remembering, like trying to play like Travis, trying to be as fast as he is with his hands, how much he uses the kit. And the one thing that I remember with Blink One Eight Two is they're a three-piece band, but it's not just like the drummer is backing up the guitarist and the bassist and the, you know, in the vocals, he uses the drums as like his own voice within the band. And I'm not doing a great job of explaining it, but sometimes you listen to bands and it's like, you don't really even notice that the drums are there because they're such an ancillary part of like the entire composition itself. Whereas with Travis is like, He could even guest feature on another track, and you know he's 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 done rap songs, and he's been on all types of compilation albums. But like you know that that's Travis Barker as soon as you start hearing the drumming, it's just he's so iconic. Like I said, I owe my first start to actually drumming to him. I ripped him off for years, basically like copying all of his fills, copying how. You know, just everything that he did. And this was the biggest inf- inspiration for me. And uh, like next to Neil, obviously. But uh, that's my number five. A little long-winded, at, you know, for the start. But I'm rusty, guys. So be patient with me. But uh, love Travis Barker.
0: Still do. Always will. I think that that's a good pick. And we're not really surprising because Enema of the State came out in 99, which is your favorite year of all time. So not a surprise yep. at all. That's yep, a
1: good one. Low. You're right. They, they were good. OK, uh, Derek, who's your number five drummer of all time? Uh, sorry, I just want to talk about Yancey's for a second there. And mm-hmm. you were saying with their album "Enema, Enema of the State." Um, when we did our our episode on top five favorite songs of all time uh what's my age again by blink 182 is is definitely one of my all time favorite songs i believe it was on my list when we did that so i yeah see, i, I gotta that's a great pick I, I like that pick a lot all right my awesome. number five so i i am not a drummer i'm not really musically inclined at all i never learned to play an instrument the closest i ever got to any sort of musical talent was singing and i, I wouldn't say i'm a fantastic singer but i i wouldn't say i'm the worst singer in the room most times um so i I'm coming to this podcast with a little less street cred than you guys. Uh, But my wife is an exceptionally talented drummer. She went to a, a high school for the arts. Like, you remember the show Fame? Basically, that was the kind of high school she went to. So she That's plays a so cool. A, yeah, she plays a bunch that. of music. Yeah, she plays a bunch of musical instruments. I mean, she doesn't really play many of them anymore just because of, you know, where we are in our life. But the drums was always her number one. And she used to tell us stories about uh, for Christmas, many years in a row for Christmas, what would happen is her parents would rent a full drum kit, set it up in the garage. And she would have this drum kit at the house for better, like for the Christmas break. And she would just spend the whole week between Christmas and New Year's in the garage, banging away on the drums. And of course, everyone in the house was wearing earphones because obviously the drums are so loud. But that was that was a big part of, of how she, uh, you know, was able to to keep up her skills. And then when she went to school, she learned to play a bunch of instruments. And even since we got together, she has played in a, a handful of bands um, where she's been able to continue to play drums on occasion asian and um so yeah she she schools me she she educates me on music in so many ways but when i told her we were doing this episode on drums she's like oh great i can come on and talk and i said well we kind of have already booked a special guest and she was very upset that we excluded her she's you know she started calling us out she's like what is it like all the boys club no girls allowed i'm like well that that wasn't why it ended up up that way but sort of so um i just want to uh, give some credit out to my wife Kay. she's uh, she's a, a, an exceptional drummer and uh, she did help me with a, a few finer points on the list although this list ended up uh, being a lot more me than a lot of her so um, in any case long long sort of intro to say that my explanations of my favorite drummers here are going to be pretty short cuz i really don't have the musical vocabulary to talk about it i just want to so say one gonna, thing though i just want to yeah.
0: say when whenever we come out of this covid fog we, you're gonna come up here you and Kay are gonna come up here and we're gonna hang out for a night and me and your wife we're gonna get on the drums and have a drum off
1: i was just gonna say a drum off awesome yeah. she'll okay. probably
0: she'll probably <laughs> beat me but i don't know you rewind
1: rewind this and listen to that man i i'm not fooling around man but uh, anyway you're number, f- right, huh? you're number five you're number okay so so uh yeah so my number five pick again. some of these picks my i think my top couple picks are gonna be pretty solid but my first couple there's gonna be some debate so my number five is Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. And you think Tommy Lee, like really? Okay. So one of the reasons that I love Tommy Lee, I mean, I like Motley Crue a lot. They were, they were one of my favorite bands growing up. I was into like that eighties metal thing. I love Van Halen. I love Motley Crue. Like that kind of music was what I grew up with. Um, And I still go back to that. Like when I want to, we did an episode where we talked about like anthem music, like music that pumps you up and gets you all like, yeah, let's go. Um, and Motley Crue does that so well, and largely because of the drums uh, by Tommy Lee. One of the things that I love about Tommy Lee is his showmanship. And I don't know if you've ever been to a Motley Crue concert or seen clips of a Motley Crue concert. But Tommy Lee, when he does, when he performs live, they hook up his drum kit into this apparatus. And they basically, it's like a crane where they lift the whole drum kit up like 10 feet in the air. And then they turn him completely upside down. And he plays a whole drum solo. Usually it's like anywhere from five to 10 minutes completely upside down. And it's got the lights and everything. It is, it is a sight to see it's if you have, if you go to like, obviously they're not really performing anymore, but in the day, if you had gone to a Motley Crue concert and were not aware that this was something he did, I can only imagine how much it blew your mind to see it. Like, it sound. it still sounded great. And you think, well, he's upside down. Like it's got to slow him down a little bit. No, it's you, if you had your eyes closed, you would never realize he was upside down. Like that to me is a true artist that can just be in the zone and like block out everything else. And over the years, the 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 whole presentation of this got more elaborate. He did ones where he was on like a roller coaster track. Now, again, they weren't flying around the roller coaster at 60 miles an hour. It was a pretty reasonably slow ish pace because you don't want him to barf from motion sickness. But just the idea that, you know, a drummer is usually the the guy who sits in the back. You have the singer and the lead guitars are up front and the drummer is just in the back. He's usually on a couple of risers so he can see over everybody. But you can't usually, as someone in a live performance, you can't really usually see the drummer. Maybe you see their face and you see the sticks coming up a little bit. But here, Motley Crue, they were able to take this, what should be a totally stationary percussion set and literally lift it up above everybody else and show it off. And to me, that was one of the reasons that Tommy Lee has always been one of my favorite drummers. It's, it's not to say that his, his drumming is the the most proficient in the world. Like, Hey, all of the drummers on this list are certainly better than anyone I ever know. No offense to my wife. Um, and you got to listen to songs <laughs> like, you know, like Wild Side was one of Motley Crue's first big hits. And Dr. Feelgood is probably one of their absolute biggest hits. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Feelgood starts off with the drums and it's just like you listen to a Motley Crue song and it is everything the 80s rock anthems were. And that's in large part due to Tommy Lee. So between between just the, the pump you up kind of sound of these these songs and the the way that he performed as a showman. Tommy Lee, number five on my
0: list. Yeah. And if you remember back, oh, I don't think it was in the 90s or something, he came out with that tape with him and his wife. And uh, you got a little better idea of the size of his drumstick. Oh, my. I I have no idea what you're talking about. Chris. (laughs) Yeah. okay. Uh, My number five, one of my favorite bands when I was a teenager. Oh, I remember one of the very first albums that I ever owned was Pyromania by Def Leppard and I just loved it and they had this unique sound all their own now a lot of it had to do with Joe Elliott's vocals but you know like with with any great rock group the drummer is is the back you know the the the, the heart and soul of the beat of the band and Rick Allen was one of the most important reasons I think why the band had such a unique sound you know he was a great drummer and then on New Year's Eve In 1984, he got into a car accident and he lost his left arm. And I remember at the time I was a big fan of the band and I thought, that's it. They're done. This band is going to break up. And they constructed this specially designed electronic drum kit that allowed him to play with just one arm. And not only did he keep playing, but you could argue that the band did its best work After his accident. Like certainly their most popular work. And when Hysteria came out in 86. They hit the charts with songs like Animal. And Pour Some Sugar On Me. And I just. I loved how the band. They just. They never even considered getting another drummer. They just let Rick Allen learn how to drum on this new kit. And remain a big part of the the band. And his return to the stage in 1986. Um, at the Monsters of Rock Festival. It was really cool. I mean, I wasn't there, but I saw video footage of it. And he was a really big part of one of my favorite rock bands of all time. And you know me, he did most of his drumming with one arm. So anyway, that's why he's my number five. So number four, Yancy, over to you.
2: I just want to say real quickly he I I read this somewhere about him because back when I first took an interest in drums my mom and dad were like hey like you have to listen to Def Leppard and I was like you know and they're like what do you think about him like oh he's great you know They're like he has one arm and it went into like this whole like rabbit hole of finding videos about him and learning like at one point he had 32 foot pedals on his drum set like (laughs) uh, it is a really really cool story I can't imagine possibly doing something like that with only one arm but I mean kudos to him like you said like the band was like weirdly better after that accident happened to him so that's awesome uh number four for me uh we actually lost him recently just like we lost neil um and this is a a, a musician that's not really known for being a percussionist and this is a bit of i don't want to say a cop-out but this is more of like an opportunity for me to talk about this person and like his career as a whole uh it's chick correa i don't know if you guys are familiar with him but he is one of the greatest jazz pianists of all time uh not only that but he was also a a conductor a composer he did huge arrangements He's been on literally hundreds of different people's, uh, you know, albums and collaborations and singles. Uh, He's been nominated for a Grammy over 60 times and he's won 25 of them. He was first nominated in 1976 and he actually won a Grammy in 2021 this year when he passed away. Um, One of my favorite albums of all time uh, is actually him playing the piano, but it's with him and Gary Burton, who's a vibraphonist. And um, I I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show, but um, I'm actually a better marimba and vibraphonist player than I am a drum set player, just because that was my main instrument whenever I was in school. Um, And, you know, that's what I played in college and stuff, but, one of my favorite albums of all time is with Gary Burton and Chick Corea It's called Crystal Silence. If you guys can check that out, it's one of the most beautiful albums ever recorded. Um, but long story short, Chick Corea has one of the longest careers. We're talking about like, you know, he, he worked with Miles Davis. He worked with, uh, you know, I mentioned Gary Burton, all of these different hip hop, uh, musicians. And, and, and he worked with Prince and he worked with Michael Jackson and, but always kind of never one of the biggest artists around and, you know, kind of, was always, you know, acting as like a support artist, you know, and the, and the main pianist, but. Also, just from a drumming standpoint, like I said, he was doing all of these arrangements for some of the most popular albums of all time and would oftentimes play on these. We're talking about like albums, you know, bebop albums from jazz of like Dizzy Gillespie and, and Charlie Parker and, you know, Horace Silver and Lester Young. Like I said, I've been on a major jazz kick this last year, guys. Like this is like uh, it, w- it was just kind of like serendipitous that he ha- happened to pass away, like when I was like deep into the throes of his catalog. But um, if you guys go back and look, like I said, he's he was one of the pioneers of jazz fusion and like avant-garde jazz where you're adding in all of these like really different, um, you know, auxiliary percussion, uh, instruments and using things like, you know, an accordion and jazz or just all these little different nuances that you can add to make jazz kind of fresh and relevant and, and bringing in elements of, of hip hop and R and B and, and pop music. And, um, from a from a skill standpoint like i said not the most unbelievably crazy chops you know as far as like he could play super fast or he could play you know a thousand beats per minute kind of thing but um just one of the greatest tastemakers assemblers of music you know composers creating like these just amazing pieces i mean he worked on movies guys he worked on soundtracks and singles and, and 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 live performances for you know artists that he had never even recorded with just like one of the all-time great musicians and whenever he passed away it was just i mean obviously just a, a tragedy but he lived a full life one of the greatest musicians of all time one of the most prolific and creative musicians we've seen since you know like Sun Ra, like. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of sad and I wanted to use this opportunity to kind of highlight just how talented he was. And if you guys can go check out Chick Corea, it was just, I, I I've been, he's probably the one artist in the last year and a half where I've spent the most time with him. And, you know, like I said, kind of sad that he had passed away when I was, you know, really experiencing his music for the first time, but, um, he's my number four and just an unbelievable musician. And I mean, his contributions will literally live on forever because he has his hands
0: on everything. Nice. Really getting into jazz recently has, has sort of expanded your horizons a bit. You know,
2: I'm wish an you, I'm an intellectual now. Yeah, you are.
1: You're,
0: I <laughs> wish I was. I, I don't expand my horizons at all. I just like the same things. OK, no uh, kidding.
1: <laughs> number four for you, Derek, what do you got? All right. So um, this is probably a, a, a pretty decent segue from where Yancey was. Um, so my number four pick is Cindy Blackman. Yancey, you know, who Cindy Blackman is.
2: Um, I should, but I don't. And as soon as you say it, I'm going right. to so, pretend
1: that I do. Okay. So Cindy Blackman is best <laughs> known. I think best known to mainstream music as the drummer for Lenny Kravitz. If you've ever seen the video for, are you going to go my way? She's, uh, belting out the drum. She got the giant Afro going on. She played with Lenny Kravitz for almost 20 years. Uh, she's described as an American jazz and rock drummer. She's, she's heavily into jazz. Like after she left the Lenny Kravitz, um, Band. Uh, She's gone out and had a fairly successful solo career, largely in that sort of jazz space. Uh, she she in her upbringing was was more in that sort of jazz uh, environment she went to berkeley college briefly uh before getting more into rock and uh in uh, the early 90s she uh auditioned for and got the got the part as the drummer for lenny Kravitz and this was right when lenny Kravitz became a super duper amazing rock star he puts out the um the song are you, are you gonna go my way in the 93 which was a huge hit that put him right on the map i mean he was already a known commodity by then but that was like that pushed him into the stratosphere and it was in no small part because of uh of the the band that played around him and cindy blackman being the the drummer just you listen to all the best lenny kravitz stuff especially the the, you know again are you gonna go my way is probably my favorite lenny kravitz song but fly away is another really good one where the drums are just such an important part of that song and um i think I think when when most people think drummer, they think, okay, well, if I'm thinking drummer, I'm thinking rock and roll, and if I'm thinking a drummer for a rock and roll band, I'm probably thinking of an old white guy, and so you've got this black woman playing some of the best rock and roll drums ever, and it's just a refreshing, you know, break from the norm that just reminds you that music is colorblind. Anyone can learn to play an instrument. Anybody can, can have musical talent, and Cindy Blackman is certainly... Certainly somebody who has no shortage of musical talent. And I think a large part of Lenny Kravitz's uh, success over the last 20, 25 years comes in no small part because he had Cindy Blackman playing the drums behind him. So she's that's my a, number four pick. That's a good one. Oh, because,
0: yeah. oh she That was is
1: good. great. Oh, that, She was good.
0: Okay. Um, my number four. I've always thought it was quite an accomplishment. If a band had such a unique sound that you knew it was them, just by listening to a few bars, I always think of ZZ top, you know, you, when, when you hear like three notes of a ZZ top song, you know, it's them, you know, I mean, I know there's other examples yeah. of, of bands like that, but the thing is, ACDC, the, yeah, <laughs> ACDC is another one. You just know it's them. Yeah. Right. And, and I just think it's, it's rare to hear a drummer and know exactly who it is just from a few beats of a song but that's the case with my number four and that's Alex Van Halen. I don't know if it's because he uses a lot of open hi-hat when he plays. I don't know, whatever it is, but you just know Alex Van Halen's drumming when you hear it. And like I say, I think that's really something, you know, he originally started out playing the guitar, but then, you know, it turned out his brother was way better at, you know, the guitar than him. And well, I mean, he's better than everybody in the world, right? And, <laughs> but and then Alex switched to the drums. And and I think it's probably fair to say that the world is better off with both of them switching instruments. You know, Van Halen is such a, a legendary rock band, and just laying down the beats for all those songs was Alex Van Halen. So he's my number four. All right. Number three is a good pick. What do you got? Good pick. Good yeah, pick, Chris. Yeah, I really like him a lot. Always did. So Yancey, number three.
2: Um, also, I think that's a great pick too. And when you talk about iconic, when you instantly recognize who they are, um, there's, there's a, sometimes there's a disconnect, especially people who, who play drums where they think that complication and, and just the level of difficulty is what denotes a good drummer or a bad drummer. And I have definitely been guilty it's of this fine. in the past where, you know, I, I always thought that, you know, I needed more pieces on my drum set because, you know, I was emulating Neil no Peart, And like, if I don't have more toms and if I don't have, you know, eight cymbals then i'm not a good drummer but meanwhile like i could barely you know keep time you know what i mean like when i first started playing drums but uh like you know van Halen, like that's that's a perfect example of just the most solid band or even zz top just like the most solid three-piece band that every single time they perform chris we've talked about this in a past episode i know we have where like my parents told me like they went to see zz top like multiple times and they were just the best live performance they'd ever seen but i love those picks um This next one, uh, number three for me is from a this is a Nigerian drummer, composer and songwriter. Uh, He was born in Nigeria. He spent most of his life in Paris, France, and he uh, he did live in the United States for a little bit. He is the uh, one of the founders, the drummer and the musical director of Fela Kuti. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, Uh, but this is the basic originator of what's called Afrobeat. Which there's all types of subgenres of music that have been built upon Afrobeat, and he is the pioneer of this. Uh, Tony Allen, uh, he was born I think in the early '40s, um, yeah, 1940, and he basically pioneered an entire genre of music. Which you guys know this like. With drumming, it's hard to ever play a beat that kind of hasn't already been played before or recorded before. Um, everything is a remix in music. Everybody's building off of something else that their predecessors had like laid down before them. Whenever Tony Allen introduced his first Afrobeat music, it basically took the entire world by storm. And you saw hundreds and hundreds of bands, even popular rock bands, pop bands, American bands, uh, American jazz artists. They started implementing all of these different elements of you know Afrobeat to their types of music. So this is like one of the original pioneers of the last, you know, hundred years of modern music. Uh, Brian Eno at one point actually went on record saying that Tony Allen is the greatest drummer who has ever lived. Um, this is a guy who stylistically is on opposite spectrums of Neil Peart, right? Not super, super technically difficult. Not in, cr- you know, crazily in, insane beats up and down the drum kit, gigantic drum sets, nothing like that. You know, oftentimes he had a five or a six piece drum set, but just the most unbelievably syncopated uh, super bouncing back and forth double beat kind of where, you know, music is doing things opposite of what you think it is. Instead of having, you know, you know, two and four on the beat, he's doing like these really weird syncopated rhythms where you're, you're constantly caught off guard, but also he's playing against all these other elements of the band. So it's like this, you know, I mentioned Chick Correa earlier with uh, the avant-garde jazz, and how you'd have all of these different disparate elements. You know, and all these, you know, dozens of little pieces of auxiliary percussion, and and go bells, and 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 you know, a gong, and all all types of mallet and keyboard percussion. Tony Allen was kind of like this too, except he brought all these pieces together. Um, and one of the things I love too is that he was another one of these drummers, like Travis Barker, as well too, where um, he was so respected by so many people in the music industry that so many people were dying to work with him. Uh, to where, like, you would see, like, even people like The Gorillas and Blur and, uh, you know, pop artists and, uh, you know, Michael Jackson work with him, like, everybody wanted to work with Tony Allen and he was recording music up until his death in 2020. So this is another artist that we recently lost too, but um, just one of the most prolific, you're going to hear me say that word a lot tonight. Cause that's kind of like my, my mark for, for somebody who's truly impactful is like, you have to have a big body of work. Um, but just the, the work that he did with Fela Kuti, with Damon Albarn. I mean, he worked with Miles Davis. He worked with, uh, I mean, rocket juice on the moon, like his, his work is over everything. You guys have to check him out. It's some of the most, just amazing drumming you guys will ever hear in your in your life, and he's actually a big inspiration for another drummer I'm going to mention that I think you guys will know of with number two. But Tony Allen's my number three, love him to death. Uh, check out Felicudi, it's it will change your life.
1: Nice. Okay, number three, Derek, what do you got? All right, my number three, my number three, my number two, my number one are going to be like the greatest hits of the greatest hits. I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises coming up here. And I I don't think I'm getting a lot of arguments on these three picks. So my number three pick is Stuart Copeland, best known for his yes. role on the band, the police. So again, not he being, uh, <laughs> he was very yeah, he good. Was good. Uh, not, not being a musician myself. I I have a few quotes here that I pulled when I was doing a little bit of homework. Uh, so, um, for those that, that maybe don't know a little bit about his background, he uh, was the child of a diplomat. So he actually grew up in, in the Middle East. His I believe it was his father was a diplomat and traveled a lot in the Middle East. And he credits that to being uh, part of the reason that he, it, it, it accounts for a lot of his musical influences. It wasn't that he just grew up in America hearing American music. It was he grew up in different parts of the world and was exposed to different sounds and cultures and and that broadened his horizons and allowed him to be such a, uh, a creative artist in his own right. Uh, so one of the things here that I I, I wrote down is uh, one of the someone quoted, they said, Copeland is considered to be a master of the syncopated beat and has a strong emphasis on groove. I'm like, I'm not really sure what that means, but it sounded impressive. So hopefully music people would agree with that. Groove um, is not very grievingly. important to a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, obviously, as a uh, as a member of the police, he had a lot of, uh, I mean, the police as a band had a huge number of hits and certainly some of the, some of the songs they had that had uh substantial uh, drum riffs were things like every little thing she does is magic message in a bottle, Roxanne, all songs where the, the beat, the drum, the, the what he does with the drumming is, is not just straight up. Let's just keep the beat. It's, it's an, a very important part of the song. And as you, as we were just talking about with ZZ top and with Blink 182, when you're in a musical trio, it, it sort of gives each member of the band a little more room to do their thing and uh, this was this was certainly a good example of that where um, you know Copeland as the drummer was able to really show his chops more. um Since leaving, since the band broke up, he's actually been a prolific musician. He has gone on to do composing. Uh, he does music scores. He, he's done operas. He's done ballet. So he's clearly very a very talented musician in his own right. And uh, obviously, but he he broke onto the main stage and became a, a household name as a member of The Police. Um, he also uh when I was looking up a lot of these people on my list I looked up like what is their best work as a drummer and a shocking amount of people uh, like in the industry said that they felt some of his best work was when he played drums on the song Red Rain by Peter Gabriel, which I had no idea he did. And then, of course, I went back and listened to it and I'm like, wow, that was exceptionally impressive. So that was a little uh, a little TIL for me when I was uh, doing the homework. Uh, I will also mention sort of lastly here, he is uh, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a part of the police in 2003. So my number three pick, Stuart Copeland from the police. Oh, that's a
0: good one. He is a great term. So, one of my favorite bands of all time uh, is the Canadian Power Trio of Triumph. And so- I knew.
2: Chris, I knew. I swear, the 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 moment you invited me onto the show, I knew this was going to happen, just like this.
0: <laughs> I, when Nancy used to be on the show, I mentioned Triumph every second or third show. You know, let's let's be It honest. got to
2: a point where they were so in my head that I would, if I didn't know a trivia question, I would just say Triumph.
0: <laughs> so, so that, therefore, I'd be remiss not to mention the drummer from Triumph, and that's none other than Gil Moore. The first concert I ever saw, I was 14 years old, and I went to see Helix open up for Triumph. And this was during Triumph's Thunder 7 tour. And then in the middle of their set, Rick Emmett does this, like, 10-minute guitar solo. And pretty self-indulgent, I guess you could say. But I was a guitarist, so, I mean, I loved every second of it. But then he goes off the stage, and Moore comes back on just by himself. And he does like this 10-minute drum solo. And, you know, for my first concert ever, like I didn't realize this this is kind of popular for bands to do this sort of thing. So I was just blown away by how good he was. And then when the band broke up in the like early 90s, he really concentrated on his side gig. And he was the founder and the owner of one of the most famous music recording studios in the world. And that's Metalworks Studio. It's in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. And everyone from the Bare Naked Ladies to David Bowie, Guns N' Roses, even your favorite musician of all time, Yancey Prince, recorded there. He recorded Musicology in 2004. And Gilmore is, he's like a musician's musician, you know? And he was backing one of the best progressive rock bands of all time with Triumph. The guy he's a legend in the music industry and he's my number three drummer of all time. So number two, Yancey. what do you got?
2: Number two for me, that's a, another great pick too. And also I love the police. I think they're like one of the weird underrated bands of all time. I think they're in the rock and roll hall of fame. I'm not sure, but yep. 2003, doesn't it feel like another band that should have been like much bigger than they were? I know like mm-hmm. they kind of like broke up and shit, but like really good band. Um, so my number two, uh I, I toyed with making this my number one behind you Neil, know, obviously our, our our real number one, but mm-hmm. just for the sake of the show. Um, it is a German uh band member. I'm not sure if you guys have ever gotten into this, but are you guys big fans of, you know, kraut rock at all? Does that guy does Do that the Scorpions curious? count? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I have no idea what um, that is. Okay, (laughs) it's basically just like a German style of like progressive rock, right? Okay. Um. So the band I'm talking about is Can, and the drummer is Yaki Leviset. So, um, it's pronounced J-A-K-I. Uh, he's only done a handful of interviews, so like you rarely see his name spoken out loud, and you rarely see people you know chanting his name when he's on stage. So it's kind of hard to pronounce his name correctly, and I in preparation for the show, I realized like I actually didn't know how to fully pronounce his name. So I had to look it up. Um, uh, but, uh, like I mentioned, he was the drummer for the, the, uh, you know, Krautrock electronic European free jazz band can, uh, who is another band that I've come into to be quite fond of, you know, later in my life like this. Um, he is popular for pioneering what was called like the metronome style of drumming. And, uh, came in. I don't know if you know what a metronome is. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down to you or anything, but I was like just like a, 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 you know, a tapping device that keeps, you know, time it's digital. It's perfect. Uh, even the best drummers in the world, we all have like, uh, this tendency to, you know, every so often we have like just a microsecond here or there where we're off, either we're rushing a little bit or we're dragging a little bit. Um, and he was such, you know, from an internalized, the tempo standpoint, he was so incredibly great at this and such a tight drummer, that, you know, like Chris, you mentioned, like, you know, the drummer is literally like the backbone of the band. He literally holds everything together. He sets the tone. He sets the pace. He makes That's sure everybody's like staying in
0: line. The band has nothing yeah, without time. And the, yeah, the drummer does.
2: You're, you're, you're dead on arrival if you can't play yeah. in time. Um, so his his music stylistically, it is like, like I mentioned, I have become completely obsessed with this because these riffs sometimes, you know, if you you might say that some of his stuff is a little, you know, repetitive, but a lot of drumming is repetitive. But when it, what he's repeating over and over again is a beat that is very, very unorthodox, especially for you know conventional Western rock and roll. And he's basically using jazz beats and super syncopated chopped up rhythms and repeating them over and over again, and then subtly laying over you know layering over them as as the music progresses. So it's basically like this buildup of music. This guy is so incredibly talented, guys. I cannot tell you how many times every every time i'm listening to a song i'm just focusing on the drummer most of the time and i'm trying to understand what he's playing what he's doing if the time signature switches like i i I feel it like in my bones because i'm constantly internalizing the tempo in my head there are so many can songs with with yaki drumming where i don't know what time signature it is and the entire band though is just seamlessly performing it together and it's just i i don't even know how to explain it um I mentioned before with Chick Corea about how he played just a a multitude of instruments. Yaki was the same way. He was one of the main songwriters for can, uh, he played the drums, he played the double bass, he played piano, he played saxophone. He, he was a lyricist for the band, like one of just the, the craziest, weirdest composers, you know, on every single person's album you can possibly think of for the last 50 years. I mean, he he worked on ambient albums with Eno. He worked on, uh, you know, kraut rock and electronic music. He was working on uh, dubstep albums as late as like 2015. Um, just a really, really talented guy uh, that, like, like I said, I've just become obsessed with his music. Some of these beats, these fills, how he carries a song. I don't even know how he does it. And like I said, uh, you know, his bandmates would always talk about how he would keep time with them. And this sounds like something so simple and I keep harkening on it, but like the ability to keep time masterfully is like literally the difference between uh, uh, just the upper echelon, absolutely elite drummers and just like an okay drummer. You could be super technically difficult and not keep time and you're a worthless drummer. And his band members, they called him like, you know, like the robot, like a half man, half machine, just because like he was so technically perfect. So he's my number two. He could have possibly been number one. I, I went back and forth with this. I spent a ton of time with his music the last couple of years. Yaki, rest in peace, amazing musician, amazing drummer.
0: That's my number two. And great points all around, because the drummer's job is to keep time. Page one of the rule book. You can be, you know, Mm -hmm. really great at doing drum solos and playing like crazy. But if you cannot keep time, you're not
1: doing your job.
0: You know, that's the whole point. Okay, number two, Derek, what do you got?
1: All right much like Yancey just said my number one and number two i flip-flopped them about a dozen times mm-hmm. and uh I, i'm probably going to get a little flack from some of my friends that i consulted on, for this list on because uh I, we were all sort of flip-flopping my number two i'm going to go with dave Grohl. so dave Grohl, mm-hmm. as i'm hoping people know is uh, was a drummer for nirvana he's the founder of the foo fighters he's also done work with queens of the stone age and them crooked vultures along with a number of other uh bands he's he's uh He's he's a jack of all trades. He drums. He plays guitar. He sings. He composes. He writes the music. He's 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 the full package when it comes to music. Like he is one of my all time favorite musicians, and he does it right. And every time you see an interview with him, he just seems to have such a positive attitude. He always like I he he just always comes across as a kind of person where you're like that guy really just knows he has it together he knows what he's doing uh whether or not that's true that's how it always seems to come across in the media as far as as his uh musical talent uh i think most people especially younger people are going to know him best for foo fighters. Cause that's where he's been for the majority of his musical career. And with the foos, he's the, he's the lead singer. He's a lead guitarist. So you don't necessarily think of him first as a drummer, which is why I, I didn't put him as number one. Cause I think he's, he's awesome, but I think the, the category is drummer. So I, I had to save the spot for the one I actually put into number one. So, um, like like a lot of the people on our list, um, uh, Dave Grohl was self-taught and he he credited Neil Peart and a number of the other people we've already talked about as heavy influences on, uh, on his musical uh, upbringing. And just like where Tommy Lee was sort of a good example of a rocker from the 80s, Dave Grohl is an exceptionally, if not, uh, you know, he's an exceptionally good example of a rocker from the 90s uh, who has certainly had longevity. And in the 90s, it was largely because of his his part in nirvana and this was you know the the quintessential band that 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 started the grunge movement they were like you know they were, were the godfathers of grunge and he was right there he was a part of it arguably Nirvana, uh, you know, in those early 90s, they were the biggest band in the world. And they had such an incredible influence on on music as a whole in at the time and and music to come. I mean, obviously, with uh, the death of Kurt Cobain, things changed considerably. Um, But uh, until then, Nirvana was, you know, they were huge. And largely that was uh, because of Dave Grohl and uh, and his part of it. Again, here's another a musical trio i didn't realize uh, how many people how many of these ones on my list were musical trios um mine too so i mean yeah, yeah. i mean so i uh, you know you think of songs like smells like teen spirit uh being the the big hit from nirvana the drums play such an important part in that uh and then with, with foo fighters Uh, although Dave uh, isn't the drummer now, the drummer is Taylor Hawkins, who in his own right is an exceptional drummer. Uh, Dave did uh, write and perform most of the drum tracks in the first couple albums. So songs like This Is A Call, which was the first hit from their first Nirvana self or from the first Foo Fighters album is one of my all-time favorite Foo Fighters songs. The drum in that is fantastic. Then songs like my hero and Everlong, um, Everlong being from their second album. Again, the drums, you listen to it. It's just like there, you can't imagine the the song without the drums. And as we've said before, some, some of the songs you listen and the drums sort of get lost in the background. It's, it's literally just the keeping the beat, you know, it's there in the background while everybody else is doing their thing. And these songs with Dave Grohl's input, the drums become just as important a part as, as the guitar, as the vocals. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a truly a Jack of all trades and uh, he's going to, hopefully going to continue to perform and continue to put uh, out new music. We, we had a chance to see the foods when they came through Toronto area a couple of years ago, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. It was, uh, th- again, there's another band that knows how to put on a good show. And uh, even when they perform live, although Dave does most of the the singing and the guitar, they do a, a stint where he does go in and play drums. So it's always nice to uh, to to get that little treat that even though that's not his primary instrument now, he does still keep his skills up. And he does, he has performed as the drummer on a number of these other projects, as I've mentioned. So he he's still got the chops. And uh, as with as with the police, uh, Grohl is a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was inducted as a, band, a part of the band Nirvana in 2014. So my number two pick, Dave Grohl, could have easily been my number one pick, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put him at number two. A
0: good pick. And we mentioned earlier about groove and the best way i can explain groove derek is you know in the past we've talked about i've said it's not how you play something or sorry it's not what you play it's how you play it you know on a guitar Mm -hmm. and things like that that's what the groove is and Mm -hmm. and dave is a good pick because he just his groove was so great it was it was how he played things the other thing too was dave Grohl had really good uh really good drum fills very unique drum yeah fills oh yeah so good okay my number two i felt i needed to go with someone who is not just a great drummer but someone who is really influential as well so one of the earliest of the heavy rock bands maybe the most influential of all time too was led zeppelin and john bonham was maybe one of the most influential drummers in rock and roll history i mean his style was was, was unique it featured a lot of speed Um, And he hit the drums really hard and he just had a feel for that groove, like, like basically no one else. He died in 1980. Um, He famously died uh, from choking on his own vomit after like this days long bender that he was on. But he was such an important part of the band that rather than carry on without him and just get a new drummer, they quit, you know, they disbanded after he died which you know is really in stark contrast to some bands like acdc for example they just kept going on and not they find replacements for all the, the people in the band led zeppelin knew that the band without john bonham was not led zeppelin so they called it quits and they did the right thing i think he was influential he was great and he's the second greatest drummer of all time according to me at least so number one Yancey, who do you got this should be good.
2: Yeah. Just very quickly. Uh, Bonham is another one of those, like right up there on like the Mount Rushmore of greatest drummers of all time. I I left him out there for you just because I, I, I assumed that one of us of the three would be talking about him, but that's not to say that he doesn't deserve it. Um, one of my favorite like little factoids about John Bonham, is the song cashmere. Uh, I I remember like I I mentioned to you guys, like I'm trying to internalize the tempo and and find the time signature. And I'm trying to play along with every song that I'm listening to. And when I first started like really paying attention to music and I'm listening to cashmere and I'm like, wait, what is the time signature? And it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Right. And it's a slow song. It's not super fast, but then you end up, finding out that oh it's because he's playing a three four time signature and the rest of the band is playing four four yes. so he only lines up with them like once every like 24 counts or 28 counts or something i'm like i'm like damn it like you know like that level of musicianship like to even think to do something like that to compose a piece like that he's just super creative and you want to talk about like really like very original fills too that's bottom like like absolutely but. Yep. Um, my number one is I would bet my entire family's lives that you guys have never heard of this, uh, this drummer and, you know, and that's fine. And, and that's the flair that I bring to pop goes Your world, right? <laughs> of course. Um, this is, <laughs> this is, uh, the drummer for, uh, the longtime technical death metal band. Uh, they are from New Zealand, uh, and his name is Jamie St. Murat. It's M E R A T. I believe it's French. Um, This is a band that is described as extreme technical death metal, and it's like avant-garde post-metal. You want to talk about... uh, we, We referenced before how like... Being simplistic, but being able to keep time—that uh, is the most important thing, right? This is on the opposite spectrum of that, where this is a person who, from a technicality and difficulty standpoint, is literally one of the greatest drummers of all time. And very few people know of him. Very few people have listened to the band. Obviously, if you guys, you know, hang around the same circles that I do online when it comes to, like music forums and and uh, you know metal blogs and stuff, these guys are basically royalty. Um, but this is this is a drummer savant. We're talking about some of the most technical, extremely nauseating, disorienting, unbelievably difficult stuff to play. Uh, time signatures jumping all over the place, uh, you know, splitting up beats and 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 wrists between the guitarists and the bassists and the drummers, all blending seamlessly. I mean blast beats, elements of blues and and jazz, but at hyper, hyper fast speeds. Then he slows it down. Then he's all over the floor. He has a gigantic drum set. So tons of instrumentation, but insane composition, insane, just technicality. Um, I could never play one of the songs that he plays end to end. If I practice every single day for the rest of my life for eight hours, this is how incredibly amazing this guy is. There are videos of him live and he has the foot cam on the bottom and, you know, he has the the overhead cam. So you can see his entire set and you can kind of see like how he's moving around the set. And this is one of those guys where it's it's not even just that he can play so unbelievably blazingly fast. It's the fact that he can chop up a beat and and divide it into so many different hits in one beat that it, it, it's hard to, to grasp your mind around it. I would not recommend this band uh, to basically anybody unless they kind of give me an inkling of, hey, this is the type of music that I listen to. Um, but I don't even want to say the album cover because you guys are going to laugh, but, uh, their most recent album that came out in 2020, when all kinds of underground, you know, awards and accolades, it's called staring to death and be still is the name of the album. Uh, and his drumming, like I said, is an absolute masterclass. They've been doing this since the, I think 1996 or 1997. Um, I, I can't stop listening to it. The level of skill here is just unmatched. It's unparalleled. He is the most technically proficient, greatest drummer I have ever heard in my entire life, outside of Neil, of course. Um, and I, I just wish more people were into extreme technical death metal because he is the man. So Jamie Saint Marat, he is number one. Um, if you guys get a chance, check him out. I. 99% chance you will, will not like it, um, but I think you can respect it and, and how <laughs> you, good he
0: is. You are right. This is what you bring to Pop your World, stuff we've never <laughs> heard of. You know, it's really it's really good. Okay, number one, Derek, what do you
1: got? All right, number one for me. If you if you stop 10 random people on the street mm-hmm. who uh, are at all into music and you say, what's a good song that has like a memorable drum, like memorable drums? I, I'm guessing seven, eight, nine out of 10 of them are going to say, in the air tonight by Phil Collins, Phil Collins, my number one pick. Wow. So Phil Collins, uh, you know, again, tremendous musical career uh, started with Genesis uh, as the drummer. And then when Peter Gabriel left as the lead vocalist for the band uh, and they were like, who are we going to get to step in to be our lead vocalist? Eventually they just decided to go with Phil Collins uh, again oversimplification if you want to read all about it you can and then the band continued on so unlike what you were just saying with led zeppelin uh they decided to keep the band going and arguably some of their best stuff came afterwards uh with phil collins uh as the front man but while still being the drummer and the, he then went on to have a tremendously successful solo career while for a little while still doing genesis it was one of these one of these situations where it wasn't the band broke up. So he took off on his own was one of these situations where everyone in the band had their own ideas about things to do. So it's like, Let's take a little break and go do some solo projects. Okay. They all did their thing. They all came back. They did some more Genesis stuff. Then they broke, you know, not broke up, but went away, did their own thing and came back. So he's incredibly prolific through the late seventies, eighties, and even into the early nineties, like the, the sheer volume of stuff he put out was ridiculous. Uh, one of the things I read here was between 1984 and 1990. So six year span, he had a string of 13 straight us top 10 hits. And that would have both as Phil Collins and with Genesis. And I think we can all agree that in the air tonight is one of those iconic songs. When people are putting together a list of like the best rock songs or the best classic rock songs, this song always seems to creep into the top 20 and it rightly so it's just, it's unlike anything you've ever heard. The drum work in this song is, is, is revolutionary. It was, it was so different and it's, it inspired so many musicians that came after it. There's videos online now where young people are exposed to music from previous generation and it's reaction videos where you watch people listening to classic songs, well classic from their point of view um, that they've never heard before or, and we get to watch the reaction. And some of the best ones are when they show old classic rock and there's, there's a couple for in the air tonight where they play it and you can see the young people like groove into it. They're like, okay. And then when it comes in with the drums, like halfway through the song, you get the drum intros. And it's just like it people blow their mind. It's just, it's not the way a typical rock song would be composed to have the drums in the forefront as the lead, mm-hmm. basically the lead instrument in the song. And again, Phil Collins with his with his drumming and his skill and and his songwriting, he was able to do that. He was able to put the drums into the song in a way that really just emphasized it Um, by a total fluke. I was listening to, so I have Sirius XM radio and one of the things they, one of the programs they have is every week they do a count on their 80s channel. They do a countdown of the top 40 songs from this week in a particular year in the 1980s. And I was listening to the one, between our last episode of Pop Goes Your World and this episode, one of the shows I was listening to was from the early 80s. I want to say it was 82 or 83. And the song that that came on was I Don't Care Anymore by Genesis, which I know oh, the yeah. song. I just I hadn't heard it yeah. in a long time. And it just it came on, and I was like, wow, this is the drumming? And this is, all. again, it's it starts with all drums. And I thought, this is perfect. This, this is just icing on the cake. Because I knew I was going to have Phil Collins on this list. I knew he was probably going to be in my top three. And, again, it's this... This, uh, you know, both as a solo performer and with his his part in Genesis, just the drums, the drum work is fantastic. Um, One of the things that that, again, not a musician. So I'm quoting from some of the things I was reading is uh, this was in one of the articles. Collins has established his signature gated snare drum sound. I don't necessarily know what that means, but it sounded impressive. So I want to throw it in there. Um, Hell, yeah. Yeah. So he um, he he also obviously uh, was a musician where other musicians wanted to work with him. So I was reading that Robert Plant and Eric Clapton were two musicians that that had Phil Collins play drums for them on on future projects. And as with my last two picks, Phil Collins, as a member of Genesis, was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2010 uh and rightly so this this guy his drumming is fantastic when i think of the world's best drummers we've already established neil parrot is number one but for me phil collins is a very close number mm-hmm. two that's a great are you guys enjoying yourselves tonight absolutely talking about this i, uh, I love just, this i need to have I another it. i'm gonna
0: have myself a drink here and enjoy this
2: i want to say real quick derek yes. that like even with like phil collins you, you touch on another point too where it's like you're, you're, you're here telling us that like, Hey, listen, I'm not a musician. I don't play the drums. I'm not a trained musician, that type of thing. But I mean, the best drummers, they transcend that. They transcend your skill level and your familiarity with the music or, you know, you don't care about how difficult some of these, you know, riffs are or how difficult this beat is. Like the fact is that like, it has to work together in the confines of a song. It it still has to be a song and, like Phil Collins has that ear for that, and some, mm-hmm. you know, some of these artists that we've mentioned tonight, like there's this recurring theme, whether it be like him or Chick Corea or whomever, where it's like they're not just a drummer. Um, there's like this cliche around bands, and Chris, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but like they they like to make fun of the drummer as like he's basically like the moron of the band. Like that, <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. a thing that gets thrown around, right? <laughs> I'm I'm sensitive to that. Like no, they're not actually, but like in in reality, you know, talking about Neil Peart too, like the drummer is oftentimes the most technically proficient and can play the most instruments. He has his hand in, 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 in writing the songs, writing the compositions. Like they're a lot more involved and they can do a lot more outside of just playing that as a primary instrument. You know, like even like we mentioned, Dave Grohl, like all of these people, like there, that's the, re- the common thing. It's just like, um, in, in baseball to, you know, to, bring a parallel to our old show that we used to do together, Chris or Mr. Fantasy. Like it's like how catchers always end up being managers because they're the one position on the field that gets to see everything because they're facing the opposite way. And they have so many different things that they have to think about and manage. It's like that with the drummer. That's why you see so many creatives be drummers and they end up having such crazy careers and they have their hands on all these different, you know, avenues and, and, and different projects and stuff because they are inherently super creative.
0: Okay. If I was to ask you guys, What is the greatest band of all time? Derek, we'll start with you. What would your answer be?
1: Well, I I think I know where you're going with this, so Mm -hmm. I'm just going to step right into it. I think the answer is the Beatles. Yancy, what do you think?
0: Greatest band of all time. What do you think?
2: No, it's not not the uh, the technical death metal band from New Zealand, like I just said. Um, I mean, I'd probably have to say the Beatles, too. That's fair.
0: And you know what? You'd both be right. Because the greatest band that ever was, the greatest band that ever will be, is the Beatles. And Ringo Starr is my number one. And I know there's the old joke. There was one time John Lennon was asked if, you know, someone asked him, is Ringo Starr the best drummer in rock and roll? And he answered by saying that Ringo Starr wasn't the best drummer in the Beatles. (laughs) And but it it, it was just a joke you know Ringo wasn't just a great drummer providing the beat to the greatest band ever he he had a likable personality I mean this guy sang Octopus's Garden he was in the movie Caveman for crying out loud and his name was freaking Ringo You know, I mean, I know it was really Richard Starkey, but Ringo Starr is just such a great stage name, if if there ever was one. But I think when you're providing the backbone for the greatest songs ever written of all time, for the greatest band of all time, by default alone, you are the greatest drummer of all time. And so I would say for me, Ringo Starr is the greatest drummer that ever lived. So that's what I think. So anyway, on that note, I know we got to get Kay, or we got to get uh, Yancy out of here pretty quick. So on that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. Yancey, really, really great to have you back, bud. Now, young man, likewise. If there's one thing that Yancy likes more than drummers, Derek, do you know what it is? Is it Pokemon? It, it is. It is Pokemon. Awesome. <laughs> no. no question. So, um, I think it's time that we play a little game that I like to call. Oh my gosh. Pokemon or Drug. All right, it's Pokemon or Drug. Here's how Pokemon or Drug works I mention a name, Yancey. You have to tell me if it's the name of a prescription drug or if it's a pokemon okay got it
2: i, I got it we we, we played this
0: mm-hmm.
2: we have oh, played man, before. Be four or five years ago yeah, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we got a new so, version now okay i'm gonna start you, you off real easy okay xanax xanax pokemon or drug that's a drug Yes, it is. It's an anti-anxiety drug. Okay, Bronzor. Is Bronzor a Pokemon or drug?
2: Wow. Um, It sounds like a tanning thing, like a skincare thing, but I'm going to say it's a Pokemon?
0: Yes, it's a fourth-generation steel psychic Pokemon. Very good. Okay, Mentax. Mentax. Pokemon or drug? (laughs)
2: Uh, I I mean I don't want to be sexist here. It sounds like a a female
0: drug. It is a drug, but it's an antifungal drug, so it could
1: be, ah okay. Oh,
0: Yeah, be careful with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I okay, get canceled.
0: <laughs> Opana, Opana, is that a
2: Pokemon or drug? It sounds like a Pokemon. Let's go with Pokemon.
0: <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. It's an opioid analgesic. Okay. Renegal. Renegal. (laughs) Renegol. Is Renegal Pokemon or drug? It's a drug. Uh, Yes. It's used to treat hyperphosphatemia, whatever that is. Okay. Colchris. Colchris. Is Colchris a Pokemon or drug?
2: It sounds like a type of ice cream. I'm going to say Pokemon.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. It's used. It used to treat gout of all things. Okay. Ah, okay. Luxio. Is Luxio a Pokemon or drug? Luxio.
2: Uh, Luxio? Yes. Luxio. And this could really go both ways because it sounds intentionally bad, but sometimes drugs are meant to sound memorable like that.
0: I'm going to go drug. It's a fourth generation electric Pokemon. Okay. Lugia is <laughs> Lugia, a Pokemon or drug Lugia.
2: It's per- this I'm familiar with. It's pronounced Lugia, and that is definitely a Pokemon.
0: You are correct. It is a second generation psychic flying Pokemon. Okay. Gleevec is Gleevec a Pokemon or drug Glevik.
2: I'm gonna go with drug because it sounds like a uh, like a mood enhancer. So I'm gonna go with that.
0: Yeah, it's used in chemotherapy of all things. Okay, Renexa, Renexa, Pokemon or drug? (laughs)
2: Uh, I'm gonna say a drug.
0: That's used for angina. Okay, Cinemet is a Cinemet, Pokemon or drug? Pokemon. Oh, I'm sorry. It's used to treat Parkinson's disease. Okay. Bibarel. Is Bibarel Pokemon or drug? Bibarel.
2: Bibarel. I'm going to say Pokemon.
0: It is a fourth generation normal water (laughs) Pokemon. Okay. Hytrin. Is Hytrin Pokemon or drug?
2: It sounds like a water type Pokemon. I'm going to say Pokemon.
0: (laughs) No, it's used to reduce <laughs> high blood pressure, of all things. Zybrom. Is Zybrom a Pokemon or drug? Zybrom.
1: Oh, gosh. So it
2: sounds like something X off of maybe. It's with an X. Zybrom. I'm going to say it's a drug.
0: Yeah. It's an anti-inflammatory drug. Okay. Avalox. Is Avalox a Pokemon or drug?
2: My first guess was Pokemon. Let's go with Pokemon.
0: Nope, it's Camp. an antibiotic. I'm sorry. Lutera. Is Lutera <laughs> a Pokemon or drug?
2: I'm going to say it's another psychoactive drug. It's
0: used for birth control, of all things. Okay, Iron oh, wow. Is Iron a Pokemon or drug? Iron. That's definitely a Pokemon. Definitely. Yeah. Third generation steel rock Pokemon. Okay. Maxalt. Maxalt, a Pokemon or drug? Maxalt? Maxalt. Uh, Pokemon. Nope. Used for oh. migraines. Sorry. Okay. Protonics. Is Protonics a Pokemon or drug?
2: Okay. This, this, this almost sounds like a trap because this sounds literally like a patented drug, like a name brand drug. I'm going to say drug. yep
0: used for heartburn and the last one genesect genesect (laughs) pokemon (laughs) or drug genesect
2: i want to be the guy whose job is to name these pokemon jesus um pokemon yes
0: Yes. Yes. well done fifth generation bug steel (laughs) pokemon oh so glad to have you Uh, back yancy thanks for joining us we miss you around here brother it's always fun you you come back
2: You guys are two of my favorite people. You're always super nice to me when you guys have me back on. Um, We say this every time. I will try to come back on sooner and not take so long. Uh, Derek, congratulations in advance. Next week, you're going to take over as the second most often appearing person on this podcast. How does it feel?
0: Oh, it feels great. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 poor, guy. poor guy has to put up with me and all my singing and songwriting yancy the door is always open you're always welcome to join me and derek anytime you like you know that brother right absolutely
2: yeah absolutely you know, thank you so much for having me guys amen um, you know, we thank love you for everybody that that's, we, that's we stuck with the show for yeah. for as long as you guys have i know it must have been brutal you know meet me me up and leaving but derek is more than filled in you're obviously a lot more articulate and, and polished on the radio than i am uh and it's been honestly awesome to see you guys keep this thing going i i, I just love listening to you guys and thank you for having me on it's been a, a real treat you guys are really dear friends of mine we love you too man you're glad you, you could come
1: yes yeah, so you know what we need from you you know what you could do to, to help contribute to the show on an ongoing basis is send me some suggestions of some newer movies that i can have chris watch uh, like that have come out in the last 10 to 15 years because uh, <laughs> I, I'm real hit and miss this, he's, this millennium. They're, they're, yeah. There've actually <laughs> been a couple that he's enjoyed, but more often than not, he, uh, he, I hates, the, like him, hates yeah. the newer stuff he's wrong yeah. but he he still doesn't like it so i find you and i tend to be on the same wavelength nine out of ten times so shoot me a couple of messages with some suggestions and you and i can come up with a list of things that we can get chris to watch over the next few months
0: all right speaking Absolutely. of which Derek, I, can, we, I can do it we have to nominate a movie for our next show um do you have something that you'd like me to watch or would you like no me you that know what
1: maybe? chris I, I think if uh if you're good with it if you want to give me a pick uh let's mm-hmm. do it that way and then i'll, I'll try and find a through line yes. to to connect it to the following week and then the next time we do movie reviews i'll pick first if you're okay with that i tell you what we're gonna go back in time to 1981
0: okay and not only are we gonna go back we're gonna go back and have some fun together okay so the movie i want you to watch is the B-list star-studded car
1: race movie, The
0: Cannonball Run.
1: Nice. Yep. I haven't seen The Cannonball Run since the mid-'80s. Oh, this should be great. Me too. It's been a
0: long time. So let's watch The Cannonball Run. We'll come back next week. We'll talk about The Cannonball Run, and then from there you can nominate a film that's related to that in some way. But I tell you what, until then... This is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton and Derek Myers saying, thanks for listening to pop goes your world, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to pop goes your world. You can contact Chris and Derek at pop Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show we